0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Just Crack Crackin' Egg. You want to talk about great production value? How about a legit, hot, fluffy breakfast scramble that's packed with all your favorite ingredients? It's called Just Crack Crackin' Egg, and all you have to do is add a fresh egg over their hearty ingredients, then stir, microwave, and enjoy any day of the week. It takes less than two minutes to make. Find all seven varieties of Just Crack Crackin' Egg in the egg aisle. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Bud Light. Bud Light is all about bringing friends together, and we're wondering which unlikely pairs will team up this season on Game of Thrones. Seeing so many old friends and new come together is pretty amazing. Like last night, on last night's episode, Tyrion and Sansa had a really, like, just tender moment when they thought they were about to be killed by zombies. And uh, that was quite moving. Bud Light is reminding you to enjoy responsibly. 21 and up.
1: supports to have to clear the room stand up and walk
0: now hello and welcome to the watch my name is chris ryan i am an editor at the and joining me in the studio he's still alive it's andy greenwald
1: well i'd like to consider myself one of the main characters of this show <laughs> you're so. one of the core five thus <laughs> my you? survival is guaranteed fantasy herman <laughs> oh am i still in the
0: like main cast yeah that's right that's yeah. great Andy, what's up, man? It's Monday. We are here, uh, as we will be for uh, the entire Game of Thrones season on Mondays, talking exclusively about last night's episode of Game of Thrones. So while we want to get to Barry, we're going to get to Avengers on Thursday when you see it.
1: I haven't seen it yet, guys. Yeah, I'm going to see it this week, and we're going to do a special
0: Thursday. Pod, yeah, I think. don't call Does... the special 1-800 number that we have next to our computers here and spoil Avengers for Andy. Has it, it not been spoiled for you yet? It has not. That's good. I was going to make a couple of references on last night's Talk the Thrones to it, where I was going to spoil it. But, but I didn't. I, that's good that
1: you yeah. did that. Does Kaya know we want to
0: do an early podcast Thursday if she, she adjusts her psyched.
1: traffic schedule? Kaya saw
0: a uh, stray chihuahua on the road today, did which she, is sort of like uh, that Don Henley song, Boys of Summer.
1: Did she stop and pick it up? And, no, she
0: just seemed disturbed by it. She also saw a dog with sunglasses. Did, I'm just filling in for Kaya Has here. she
1: seen a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac recently?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, this is... Guys, we have content to get to. Yeah. Last night, Chris, mm-hmm. was season eight Episode 3, The Long Night, Game of Thrones. This was the one. It was a long night. This was the one everyone was waiting for. And it, you know, according to these parts, did not disappoint. It was an hour and a half of dimly lit carnage. Mm -hmm. And I found it thoroughly engaging. I found it often exhilarating. I found it deeply entertaining. And I find it shocking. That this episode is in some ways uh, divisive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, what's our best way in here? Well, because I want to talk
0: about it all. I, I want don't to talk want, about to the I want to just immediately jump about... into the straw man. So let's no. do the episode first, yeah. because I think that we should talk a little bit about why we like the episode, and then we can sort of uh, we can address some like of the critiques of the episode if you if you'd like to.
1: Yeah, because I think there are techniques. Uh, there are techniques. There are uh, critiques on a technical level. Um, mm-hmm. It's too dark.
0: That was that was people's critique.
1: Yes. Yeah. Now i I just took it as an encouragement to invest in the latest 16K technology. And I found it to be a deep indictment. Did you make that case to your wife? Of my television set. No, I think I told everyone on the podcast that I mentioned to her the other week that I thought maybe our TV was a tad small by current standards. Didn't go well. <laughs> she told me if I could find another room where I could put a large TV, I was welcome to do it.
0: And if you could find another room, like, like a the, secret
1: library? In the
0: crypts of Winterfell, <laughs> like below a- my in home. in the Clue house? <laughs> yeah.
1: So it didn't go great. Yeah. But let's talk about what we liked about this episode, sure. first and foremost. I thought this episode was a marvel. I thought it was incredible. I do not know how they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And I am saying that wearing the jaunty cap I've put on since I started trying to make television. And I'm, wearing it, I'm saying it wearing the, <laughs> the drab press club cap with a little card in the bill that I used to wear when I was purely a critic. From start to finish, in terms of in terms of production, in terms of direction, in terms of choreography, and visual imagination, which is important considering it was a relatively uh, dialogue light episode. Right? Yeah, a
0: lot of we have the closed captioning on when we watch for for *Talk to the Thrones* in case there's any mythological nuggets we need to get you, written down. You gotta down mine there. out, yeah. And uh, it was really just wind whistling. Mm-hmm. Come on, mm-hmm. retreat. Yeah. like A lot of the chestnuts you hear during battle. Man the walls. (laughs) yeah, Archers.
1: Um, And I'm mostly judging it on a curve of mouth dropped emoji Mm -hmm. in terms of what they accomplished and particular shouts to Miguel Sapochnik. It's one thing to pull off the battles that he's pulled off on the show in the past. It's another thing to come back knowing they've written something that's double what you did before and everyone's expecting you to be able to pull it off. Yeah. And I think that I think that he did. I, Let's I, talk
0: a little bit about it. So, Sapachnik so is known for doing these sort of huge action-heavy episodes for the for the show. He did Hard Home and he did Battle of the Bastards. Both of those battles are shot during the daytime, yeah, and features obviously iconic imagery. Naturally, during the day, you're going to be able to orient yourself a little bit better in space. So, while I th- I found Hard Home like thrilling. I don't necessarily I didn't always know what side of like the gate I was on mm-hmm. in Hard Home when they were showing like the the whites attacking the gate mm-hmm. and then there's some people beyond the gate, but then there are some people on the other side, and then there's the water. But for the most part, I understood Hard Home. I thought it had those incredible moments of John catching eyes at the Night King, all that. Shooting in the dark is a completely different beast. They obviously chose to shoot in the dark because they would be able to do different things VFX-wise mm-hmm. with night than they would if they had shot this during the day, I imagine. Right? Also,
1: he ain't the day king.
0: He ain't the day king. He ain't. You know what I mean? He, he, he ain't. <laughs> he, he, honestly? What if he back and he the day king? Wow. <laughs> I mean, why not? Okay. There's three episodes left. And we have Charlie Day, right? <laughs> night day king. It's brother of the night king.
1: They were trying, they were trying something different. They were... Trying something, by the way, even more difficult because I cannot imagine was this a month of night shoots? I mean, that's that's hell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Marshaling this many people, shooting from what I imagine was sundown to sunup for weeks at a time—it's outrageous! It's outrageous. Um, I also felt, and it's interesting to compare it to Hard Home. Hard Home was such a unique set piece because it was on the bad guys on the White Walkers turf, more or less, right? The, the, it, they matched the terrain. Sure. This was kind of a intentional mashup of all the styles of battles we've seen before. There was horse combat, yeah. your favorite, although yeah. it didn't last too long. <laughs> no. There was trench warfare. There, were, there was siege.
0: Those horses would have been
1: better off on the show Luck. <laughs> I, think, I think. Well, the Night King would have done great on the set of Luck because then the show would still be running because he just would have raised them. Yes, repeatedly. that's right. It was all of the types of combat we've seen before. I guess not naval, although that's coming up. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. Um, Aerial. Was, oh, there yeah. was a, oh, right, we hadn't really ever seen that before. Right. Some might argue we still haven't seen it because it sure. was it was quite dark.
0: Anyway, I mean, just back to spot check, I just thought the opening... I thought he basically set it up— this felt way more like a movie than an episode of television. It felt like even the beats where they Mm were— the the sort of crescendo and the coda to the extent that there was one briefly, it felt a little bit more like a feature than it did an episode of television. It obviously broke away from the traditional Game of Thrones story structure, which is room to room to room to room, going from these two sets of characters. There was a lot more movement. There was a lot more running around. I thought it had half a dozen absolutely astonishing visuals— You know, the dragons coming back down through the clouds, the swords lighting up, the fireflies going across the field, the swords extinguishing, Mm -hmm. the horses running back, the trench lighting moment when they figure out that the whites are going to just sacrifice themselves to get across the trench. I do understand why people might have been like, there was just like 20 minutes of savage people being torn apart but didn't die. Like, there was a couple of times where Jamie, Brienne, Sam were literally like, being swarmed by whites, and we're able to somehow fend them off. It's hard. See, it's
1: hard because we're dancing around some of the the critical points of the show when, you know, I just, I I thought it was breathless, and I thought it was richly entertaining, and I thought that in just, you know, we're talking about the direction. I'm not a battle guy. Mm -hmm. I often find battles visually incoherent and ultimately uninteresting. What I found very interesting was the way Sapochnik moved his camera in the quieter moments to communicate everything that needed to be communicated between characters through the way they looked at each other, through the way they were oriented in space. And particularly coming in the heels of two episodes that were essentially characters talking to each other mm-hmm. and and uh, you know getting to know one another again and reestablishing or resetting their relationships, it was a very, very nice counterpoint to that because this was mostly uh, visual. It was nonverbal. And yet in many cases, just as powerful. I, I am not a fan of watching shows or movies for body counts. Mm-hmm. I do not have an Aria-like hit list of people that I think, despite my joke last week, of people that need to die in an episode in order for it to be satisfying. Though none of the three people on my McBain hit list died last night, I don't find that particularly disappointing. I also don't find it like a Red Wedding-like twist sure. that people we expected to die didn't. Right. There are a lot of, da- not dangerous, but I was going to say... I was going to say dangerous precedents. They're not dangerous, but they are risky precedents established on this show on the part of Benny and Weiss. And a lot of that came from those first few seasons, where it confounded our expectations to such an unprecedented degree that people were spinning. Now, if you had read the books, I'm sorry, if we had read the books, if other, if one had read the books, uh-huh. you wouldn't have been one wouldn't have been surprised by the outcome of the Red Wedding or what happened at the Sept of Baelor, et cetera, et cetera at the time when we were talking about them on the podcast and we were and I was reviewing them in recaps and things like that i think we were very much acknowledging that these are the sorts of wild choices you can make only if you have a track that runs past the present moment you can kill a main character if you know that there are 3 or 4 seasons of television based on existing sure. beloved books to carry you yeah. or if you have plotted it that far out the ability to do radical ripping up of the plan or of the map or of what you expected to see, uh, the opportunity to continue to do that after something like The Red Wedding or after you run out of books is extremely limited, right? The show profoundly changed two-plus years ago, and everybody acknowledges that. But one of the ways that it changed wasn't necessarily in the shortcuts it was taking or the way certain characters were written. It was that now it was about the endgame. And it was about steering to a destination rather than subverting our expectations of what that destination was. What I'm trying to say, at great length, is that when you're this far towards a destination, and when there's a destination coming at this point, mm-hmm. you can't do shock for shock's sake. I don't think the Red Wedding was shock for shock's sake. That was that was storytelling. But we've left that script a long time ago. You cannot you cannot rip up the manifest. Shouts to the popular NBC series Manifest. This late. <laughs> on the journey. Yeah. What I'm saying is, people love to talk about like, are they going to stick the landing? Are they going to land the plane? Right? hmm You know what I don't want to be pranked or surprised? When we are approaching final descent towards our destination.
0: Well, let me make the devil's advocate argument. And,
1: and so all I'm saying is, they have, a, they have a plan. Right. If we don't like the plan, well, we've got three more weeks to decide that, and we'll see. People are still going to die if you're really watching the show with that kind of bloodlust, which I think is bizarre and counterintuitive. Sure. But this was, this was what they gave us, and the, the deaths were, um, you know, dramatic, if not all, altogether meaningful. Although Jorah and Theon were major characters that I think were kind of yada yada
0: Yeah. Um, they certainly had a lot of screen time. They did. I think that the problem people have. Okay, so here's a couple. One is that. We th- went right into straw, man. That's yeah, my fault. Yeah, but like, I don't. I, but it, I mean, like, it, there's no point in us just being. I thought the episode was incredible. You thought the episode was incredible. We can go through every scene and be like, this is why I like this scene. Yeah. I can also say, it didn't bother me that X, Y, or Z happened. We can do that. That's fine. What I'm saying is that, like, there was a specific. I think the Game of Thrones, the show has gotten, it's lost hold of, slash, perpetuated some unfortunate like tropes about the show itself that they now can't control. So it's one thing to be like, who's going to sit on the Iron Throne? It's going to be another thing to be like, who's going to die next week? And it just becomes this thing that even if it's not the intention of Benioff and Weiss and the people who are making the show becomes the dominant discourse around it is death is the only sort of meaningful meaningful thing that can happen. That being said, the Dothraki are like pretty much like late 80s, early 90s UNLV, and they go out and get smoked in the first 30 seconds of this battle, but Pod lives. Like, I get that there are some things that it's yeah. like don't make a ton of sense.
1: Well, the Podrick thing doesn't make sense, and it. but frankly, it's not important enough for me to care. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, like, but that's that's the other thing is that, like, just, like, Watches Lord of the Rings once, you know. I mean, like, you know, like, <laughs> you no,
1: know, I know it's weird that people were saying, and I saw a bunch of this criticism that the show just doesn't understand the fantasy world that it's based in. But in my understanding of a lot of fantasy mythology, there's hero myths, and good guys, for the most part, win mm-hmm. at some cost. You know what I mean?
0: Um, that's not necessarily what the fantasy critique is. No, though. and no, I, I know, I'm, and I I'm just to talk it. about that. So do I, yeah,
1: so do I. Uh, I'll say. Honestly, I was, maybe this has also took some of, the, some of the, the wind out of my critical sails. I was, this is there's no way for this to sound good, but I was bizarrely and perversely cheered to witness the death of Our Lady of Perpetual Fan Service. Liana? Liana Mormont. Yeah. A character whose continued strong presence in the show was to me a larger indictment <laughs> This of the is problems of the show,
0: an incredible take by you. This is my this that is my like, purest take. The episode take. was good, which I agree with, and that they should have killed more children. The good death was Liana, which I definitely expected you be like, "That's fucked up, bro." No, okay, that that character is a cartoon character
1: yeah. that was supposed to be in one scene, and then you know, in in the words of Paul Wall, the internet was going nuts. <laughs> I'm sure that's who David Benioff and D.B. Weiss you quoted. Think
0: David Benioff was like. The the tweets are talking about Liana. We got to get her some more screen time.
1: For the first time ever, I watched the bros talk about the show She's afterwards. Blowing
0: up on social.
1: And let me just tell you, their Oxford game does not speak to someone who's been listening to uh, DJ Screw tapes. Okay, I'll say that. Nor does mine. Yeah. Nor does mine. I'm just saying. I don't think they do. I thought weirdly. I thought that was. A brave and appropriate choice for a character that really just seemed to be there for for the tweets. Yes, and I thought it was a well constructed a well constructed end. This didn't.
0: I mean, I thought a lot of the stuff that happened in this in this battle stuff was not that different than Battle of the Bastards. You know, and and I and I knew people had some issues with parts of Battle of the Bastards. I think it was a lot more coherent because it was during the daytime. I also thought it was a little bit duller because it was essentially just a pile of bodies until Sansa finally rode in with the Vale Knights. Right. That I mean, like, that was essentially that battle. And uh, it had a really, really, really cool image of John pulling out his sword as, like, a thousands and thousands of soldiers were running towards him. Yes. But it wasn't any more unlikely that he survived that initial clash in Battle of the Bastards or survived being at the bottom of a pile of bodies than it was... Jamie and Brienne pinned up against a wall by dozens and dozens of zombies, somehow surviving until the moment Arya kills the Night King.
1: Right, but also Battle of the Bastards also had the moment where uh, young Rickon didn't get the memo that offenses have changed. <laughs> sure. And just ran a straight line. And we had a, respect the route tree. And we had a lot of fun with that, yeah. talking about you know yeah. how he needed to be doing an RPO. Not just that, not just the one route I had Jerry Rice run on the Madden games on Genesis in the <laughs> yeah, 90s. Same. Mark
0: Mark Clayton, Tech Mobile just route. Just
1: straight. Yeah. Um, but this stuff is hard. You know, I, I don't really know what else to say. I think that you're always going to be cutting corners and ultimately you want the show to be, I want a show that if it's going to make mistakes, because all shows make mistakes, or, um, you know, or not be completely thorough about something, it's going to be in battle mechanics. Yes. Or, you know, and I say this as someone who criticized aspects of last season, or in the sort of yada -yada yadaing of journeys. The emotional journey and the character beats you have to be true to. So, when I watched last night's episode and I see what happened to Theon, I think, that fits. That is an appropriate arc for this character who was given um, a send-off that was appropriate to his journey on the show. Mm -hmm. Do I then think, he should have just hung out for an extra second and not died. Frankly, I don't. You could make that argument all you want. I but didn't that think, seems I mean, like, exhausting. yes, that's
0: true. He could have. But, like, clearly when Bran is like, you're a good man. This is now, I already know what you're going to do this here. This is the end of it. Yeah. 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 And then that, right. by, like, slowing him down by... Eight seconds allows Arya to be exactly where she needs to be to do that.
1: Here, here's, the, here's the other thing that I, that I have to cop to about this. And I, and I am legitimately curious what others think who watch the show regularly, religiously. Sure they will reach out. They are not shy. <laughs> I, am, I do not watch the show for profundity. I've never, with, with a few occasional moments, I've never found it to be a, a deep and meditative reflection of the human condition. I found it to be visually dazzling with storytelling uh, verve and ambition and risk-taking and bravery and dragons that is, dragons that is unparalleled. <laughs> yeah, And for me, that's why last night was a towering achievement. I think that it also was a smart reflection of the facts on the ground. Mm-hmm. The facts on the ground <laughs> were quite deadly last night. But I think the facts on the ground in general for— Uh, A show like this, where it was going, is you can only go so far with a mute supervillain. People arguing that they wanted more Night King. Why?
0: I want to talk about him as a a character. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about... I want to talk about the Night King problem. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Oreo Cookies. The most epic cookies of all time are here. Cookies are coming. Brace yourselves. Oreo Game of Thrones limited edition packs are in stores now while supplies last. Where does your fealty lie? To whom are you bending the knee? I personally... I dropped the knee for the Lannisters. First of all, the cookies look great. And second of all... They were smart enough not to go north, so good for them. Go to Oreo.com and pledge your fealty to the house or Night King of your choice and tune into to Game of Thrones on Sundays on HBO. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Away. Away offers high-quality luggage at a much lower price by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. Choose from over nine colors and four sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, both of which are compliant with all major U.S. airlines, the medium or the large... All suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, which is a lightweight and unrivaled material in strength and impact resistance. And the 360-degree spinner wheels guarantee a smooth ride. Best of all, both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge anything that's powered by a USB cord. And thanks to their lifetime warranty, if anything breaks, Away will fix it or replace it. Try it for 100 days, and if at any point you do decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. I personally have a brick-colored carry-on that I cannot wait to take on a U.S. airline when Game of Thrones and the NBA playoffs are over and I disappear from this world. So when I do, my brick-away carry-on will be my satchel. It charges my cell phone... The material is sleek. It's extra durable. The interior design helps me keep my items neat and organized. It's all I ask for from my luggage. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash watch and use promo code watch during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash watch and use promo code watch for $20 off a suitcase. All right, we're back. Let's talk about a bunch of the characters and what happened to them last night. Maybe that's the best way to discuss this. And the one that I want to start with is the Night King because I think he is this enigmatic cipher and like whatever you kind of think about Game of Thrones, you're going to put on what happened to him last night. It was a really distinctive turn. I think it was a very like difficult turn this show made a few seasons ago where they made the threat of the Night King the the larger threat than the people who were c- cutting each other's throats at weddings. Right. And you could be a person who's just like, I wanted an existential empire, Sauron level bad to focus on because it wasn't a really, for me, I was ne- I never cared about who sat on the Iron Throne. Fair enough. Then you can be like, I actually always preferred all the backroom dealing and never really gave a shit about zombies, nor did I understand the mechanics of like what they wanted. I think both of those parties probably left last night. If you if you were really strong on either one of those sides, I think you probably left last night a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. That being said, I didn't really walk out of last night being like, I don't know what the Night King's motivation is. Like, I felt like the Night King's motivation for doing what he was doing was spelled out pretty clearly. Now, did he get a rich myth-like backstory other than the f- few flashbacks we saw of his creation? Not really. Often those characters don't really, like, I don't, You don't often get, like, a huge explanation as to why— Bad guys want to be bad. They want to take over the world. Yeah, ultimately. For you, was that a satisfying conclusion of what was a multi-season arc that really ends pretty abruptly? Yeah. And two, what do you think it says about, like, the larger decision of, like, how much of an investment they made in a character and in a threat— to, to just sort of like brush the chessboard off. Well, look,
1: if it was a MacGuffin, as some people were saying it was, it was a MacGuffin to bring the disparate two dozen characters of the show together in one place. So it worked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think as a uniting concept, it worked. If I'm going to peek ahead... and, and So he's, and, the, he's the infinity gauntlet. Basically, yeah. if I'm going to peek ahead and, and think about some of the lines from last week's episode about what we do after and Daenerys's creepy smile that she gave to Sansa that then took over the internet... I would say that the show is trying to say something potentially sneakily profound, which is to say that you can't beat a made-up enemy like Death. That's not the point. I think someone last night said, we can't, you can't beat Death.
0: You could maybe... That's what Kulga- like, the Hound said. That. Right. He was like, the it's Hound Death, it. you can't beat Death. Um, and that's when Barracks that's when like, she can, or she is. But you know? all of
1: these outrageous um, sacrifices and behaviors and triumphs all of it in the name of something that felt larger than life, mm-hmm. that was truly existential. And then now what? And I'm pretty curious about a show that gave that's giving us three plus hours of now what? Um, point two to your question is, I'm not sure if it's done. There are many people who think that Bran becomes the Night King somehow and that there's some sort of time loop stuff. Now, I, I don't get the strong vibe that that's what the show is doing, but— The moment for that to happen was last night. Probably. Yeah. My third point is back to this idea of having a mute supervillain. The Night King kind of sucks. He's boring. We don't want to spend time with him. Cersei is fascinating and loathsome and compelling and interesting. And she talks Mm -hmm. and she has a history with these characters. I'm glad that the show rightly decided that she was the big bad or the final boss or whatever you want to put it, however you want to put it. Not only does the Night King kind of suck, Bran kind of (laughs) sucks. I get That that is hearsay if you have read the books and all the accompanying literature and the mythology and everything. But the books of mythology and the books period are the place for those stories. That is the best way to be delivered those stories. You could spend a season on it. You could tell me that he's no longer Bran, that he's a three-eyed raven. You could have a character literally turn to the camera and say, all this is because he wants to kill Bran because Bran is living memory and without memory we're all dead. Fine. Mm -hmm. I'm still not that interested in. Frankly, it, it's kind of empty to me. And I think that this idea that some people seem cheat feel cheated because they were taught, John kept saying, oh, there's only one war left and it's the great war against death. Well, that's life. Mm-hmm. That's a metaphor, homies. That's what life is. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe anyone would want more than 90 minutes of that. What was it? were they going to, I mean, we even suggested this last week. Were they going to fall back to the Iron Islands and then re-engage the forces of death at a later date? Were there going to be a series of skirmishes with death over three to four more episodes? No, I mean, there was
0: no obvious, like, what we saw last night in that battle, was there was no way to beat them without going around back and cutting off the head. Right. So there was never going to be, like, we had a a, a military victory over those zombies.
1: So I think it was best that it was in parentheticals of this 90-minute movie that featured... Highs and lows and very different types of storytelling. I mean, when we talk more about Aria, we could talk about the zombie movie that Mm -hmm. they put in the middle of the battle movie, which I thought was really clever. I wouldn't be so quick to say that it meant nothing. Solely because television shows are about journeys, not destinations. And everything except maybe the Dirty Dozen mission was kind of worth it to get here.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And... Whether I think that they're the master storytellers that some do or not, I, I'm not even weighing in on it when I say that there are more sh- uh, cards left to play.
0: Yeah, I def- definitely think that the next episode could be could have a huge twist where, where, where Bran and the magic fantasy element of the Night King and their transference between one another could come into play, or not, or it could immediately go to Sansa and Danny giving each other like death stares across conference tables and that could be the story for the rest of the episodes. Um I think it's complicated, man. I think that there you because what also happens and this happened a little bit with Lost and this happened a little bit with Breaking Bad and this happened a little bit with the Sopranos. I mean, significant, well, with Lost I'm getting incredibly like heavy Lost vibes off of the you know, the discourse around Game of Thrones. Now, I agree that lots of people like I understand why people didn't like the end of Lost totally. But I think that in some ways, this is a story that probably should have... The Game of Thrones story should have been told for like 10 seasons or mm-hmm. 11 seasons if you wanted it to have that perfect balance of the every moment seems earned and built up and explained and properly motivated and, and everything is co- coherent and, and clear. But that's just not what's happening, so I'm kind of enjoying it for what it is, I guess. Uh, the Night King stuff is... Is interesting. It's it's like, I don't know what the alternative to last night would have been.
1: I, I think that what you're when, one thing also to remember in light of the conversation we had the other week about how everything is an extended universe now. Did they have the confidence to write off essentially a major mythological portion of the show as a character beat, which is what it was? Mm-hmm. It was about it was essentially they turned it into an Arya, a test,
0: a, a, the final test for Arya.
1: Were they confident enough to do that because they know that there are going to be prequels and sequels and spin-offs of the show for the next two decades that can, that will have a lot more stuff to play with.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the pre- That's what, Mal brought that up last night about whether or not there is some element of the Long Night prequel coming that they were like, we'll answer all the questions you have about the Night King with this other show.
1: I think, I think there has to be a part of that. I, I think they're—and I think they're, and I don't even say that um, in a cynical way or a nefarious way. I'm, I'm not suggesting that someone at corporate told them to pull their punches and their reveals because mm-hmm. there were more stories to tell. I think the knowledge that there would be more stories gave them the confidence to make it a character beat, which is probably what they always wanted to sure. do anyway.
0: It's funny. It's like this is why it's taking him probably so long to write these books. Yeah. is because to actually write— out this story the way people have it in their head and the way that people all to answer all the questions and to show all these things. I'm sure that beat for beat, this will probably be what's in those books if they ever get published. But to tell them in the way that Benioff and Weiss have told them and to and, and it is, I grant you that it does feel like it's listening to a podcast on 1.5 speed right now. Mm-hmm. It is, it is racing towards a finish line. But um I don't know, I did. it didn't bother me. I thought it was a really cool moment. I guess people, I you know, let, let's talk a little but, bit about Arya. Like, just,
1: just to say, this is one of the chestnuts I bring up all the time, but I'll say it again because it feels very relevant here, which is that endings are hard and people are very, very um, uncomfortable with endings because an ending is the moment where you have to stop pretending that your version of the show is the canonical version. The version of the show that you carry with you, the character that you think is the, that you actually think is the hero, the ending that you've dreamed up. The, the, this all, is
0: why people lost their minds about Last Jedi,
1: right? All the theories that you've been that you've been working on and tending to, and and publishing or blogging about, or the entire industry in the case in the case of Game of Thrones, us included, that has grown up around it, ultimately, it's not our show. It is, and I don't even mean it's HBO show because I think that HBO, like many uh, TV networks, have in the past, when these circumstances over the last two decades, let this be. Uh, David Benioff and Dan Weiss's show. And this is the ending for these characters that they've decided on. Mm. Now, yes, was there George Martin influence? Did they get secret scrolls from him? Probably. But you mentioned Lost. That's the piece of Lost that is most relevant to me, that, that Damon and Carlton ended the show the way they wanted to end it, the show they were making the whole time. And people lost their minds. Because nobody wants, both people don't want things to end full stop, but they also don't want it to be taken away from them. There's a possessiveness of fandom and particularly television fandom that is one of the reasons why television is so unique and fantastic but it also can be cancerous um during these sort of last skirmishes before the end
0: yeah and i also think that things have changed so much in the last 10 years where our engagement with popular culture is largely seen on in terms of return on investment was this worth the time that i spent on it was this worth the time that i spent reading about it? Was this worth the the time that I spent thinking about it? Was it worth the time to orient my week around Sundays so that I was home to see this thing that I was told was supposed to be the most important battle sequence ever filmed? And et cetera, and et cetera, et cetera. And all the time that we spent wondering about whether or not Bran was the Night King or whether time travel was possible and whether or not um, one of the core five characters was going to die in the Battle of Winterfell because the show has taught me that a main character could die at any time and the whole point was to subvert our understanding of these hero stories rather than to just execute along the same beats that we always see. All those things, I think that largely what happens is you're like, that was not worth my time. That was not worth my effort. When was the last time
1: a major Game of Thrones character was killed in a surprising way? Like in a way that caught the universe off guard and no one was prepared for?
0: Uh, Oberon? I don't know. I mean, I, yeah,
1: I think so too. It was all from the book. It was all seasons ago, and we've been coasting on that outrageous, not just goodwill, but on that sense of danger mm-hmm. ever since. Aspects of the storytelling, once it became a TV show, by the way, not uh, an adaptation of open-ended beloved books, it got more. the storytelling got more traditional, and that happened years ago. And, uh, and it's interesting to me that, that, that people are suddenly comp- complaining about now that the bill is due. You know what I mean? I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about Arya let's talk about Arya who became the hero of the show last night mm-hmm. in some ways i mean has always had that and and then if you go back and there's some great writing about it but there's just they've basically been been pointing towards this the for most of the show you know I thought that that moment was really cool. I mean, that the staging of it has its detractors. I thought it was pretty neat. Um I didn't really worry about like how she got there or how she managed to get by undetected. I mean, we spent so many seasons with her in Essos. Yeah. Like doing different crap that I didn't need to see her like quietly. She got out of that library. Also, we saw her not just fight but
1: be the most interesting fighter yeah. on the show.
0: Yes. And uh I thought it was, a, it, was it was a really amazing moment. I think that there needs to be another beat about it. I don't think that if that next episode is like, we killed the night king, it's over. yeah. that's that that's gonna be a little bit abrupt. but what this means for her, what this means, Mal brought this up last night, what's this what this means for all the messianic prophecies in this in the mm-hmm. story and like for the assumptions about who should be the king or queen of the seven kingdoms, but also who is the prince or princess who was promised? is all really, really fascinating to me now. Yeah, I mean, look. That's your payoff, though. starya is the pay, the return on investment.
1: Stark's got to protect Starks. I mean, I, I think that what the show kind of did was say that it was just about family protecting your house. You know, the Melisandre part was great Great having her back. Mm-hmm. Um, loved her, her, her calm under pressure.
0: One last geriatric nude scene. Let me tell to, you. For the, for the
1: people. But what was she doing? And what did she do? And what about her prophecies were right and what was wrong? Because she had magic power and the Lord of Light definitely could light stuff up. Mm -hmm. But to your point, this final thing happened in the uh, place that is most representative of the old gods. And the death blow is delivered by someone who is deeply steeped in some Mm multi-faced Eastern prophecies. She she basically read the liner notes to three Wu-Tang albums and then came home from college <laughs> was like, guess what? Shaolin um, the
0: Wu-Tang could be dangerous. I mean,
1: but ultimately, she was just protecting her brother, yeah. who's not her brother, as he loves to say. So I'm interested in all that, but but truly, I, I, I have never cared about anything less than how she got from the window. To, to the wall? <laughs> I have the ancient prophecies of the Ying Yang twins told me how she was able to do that um i mean that was when i was when they got me tweeting again last night man they got me tweeting i logging onto twitter after watching the episode last night i felt a little bit like Tyrion in the crypts where i was like i should go do something and someone should have said you're here for a reason because you're smart you'll die if you go out there and i was like nah i can go out there they need me out there that was my mistake that was the one character I related to, and the other character I related to was the hound being like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't think I could really defend or shoot arrows, but have a panic attack in yeah. a nave somewhere. Yeah, I could manage that. Anyway, um, it was a, it, it really was significant for me in the spirit of the show that we've watched and the character that we've watched and the actor that we've watched, to suddenly see her be the hero. Mm-hmm. To be really good at fighting. To be really good at fighting in a unique and interesting way that speaks to who she is, who she was, and what she became. Um, And to see her bring all of the trauma and torment and stress of her journey to bear in her decision making. What version of last night's show is more satisfying if we tipped what she was doing and saw her make her way to the tree? Yeah. No version. I, I th- That sort of stuff. Now, maybe that speaks to a larger flaw with the episode that, that many people were immediately drawn, you know, they they want to get into the metadata and see where everyone was at every moment and what it means and how they were able to pull it off. As opposed to saying, look at the editing here and the emotional storytelling that is woven together in these last minutes to, to, a, to, to get us to a point where I did not know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Where all this brand Night King stuff, I expected him to just, like, you know, Dap him up and be like, okay, let's do this. Let's become the same person. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, I didn't see that coming. The sleight of hand is really impressive. Do you go to the magic castle and you're like, that was great, that was great, but how'd you do it? No, seriously, how did you do it? Some
0: people do, and that's fine, I yeah. guess. Um, Bran largely out of commission for this episode. Morgan out, flying crows. Bran is super not nice. helping anyone out with his crow recon. Really not. Doing anything yeah. with that? <laughs> also, now that the Night King is dead, Brand's utility—it's mm-hmm. like I, the it's bill plummeted. is due on Brand. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like a startup that everybody has put their VC into. <laughs> now they're like, guess what, Doc? No, he You got to like, go public. <laughs> he's, he's, he's
1: he's like he's like the, the the team with championship aspirations that keeps a loogie on its roster. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just like, well, that that team has a power. That team has a left-handed power bat. You can't pitch but you can do one thing really well to yeah. neutralize the other guy. Yeah. And then that guy goes on the injured list.
0: Um, his, he probably has the most crucial episode of his character's arc next episode. Because if they just keep wheeling him around and he's just like, I know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to tell the you. dog.
1: It's going to be. Let's talk.
0: That actually is going to be like, what what is happening, guys?
1: Because, and this is where the rubber really meets the road for the fantasy storyline for me. Because in the beginning, I think the show brought on a lot of, Skeptics mm-hmm. and even the HBO brass because they were saying it's set in this world but it's not that thing. Mm-hmm. This isn't Tolkien. This is uh, Deadwood, right? We were saying this last week. This sure. is The Wire. This is all these other prestige dramas that are about life or how to live life. Power. Or, and power yeah. and all these other dynamics. And I'm the type of fan that is hopeful we can return to that again and be about these characters interpersonal relationships and the actual busy work of governing and asking these tough questions that are rarely asked in an epic of this nature. What now? What are we supposed to do? Yeah. And having this sort of vestigial tale of uh, the Fellowship of the Ring hanging around, Worgen, who's just like, yeah, you can do this thing, but it's already been done. That's exhausting. Yes. And and ultimately not that interesting. So can they pivot again? Can they find an interesting way to integrate that? I'm curious to see.
0: I will say that my... Biggest critique of last night's episode was that, and this is not a critique so much as like it is, it's almost an impossible equation to solve against, is that they brought all these characters together. They obviously gave a, a tip that they tipped that any of them could go because we are going to sing Jenny of the Old Stones and and Night Brienne and drink a lot and it's going to be a nice send off. Was Jenny of the
1: Old Stones on an early Bell and Sebastian EP, or was that later, the (laughs) Trevor Horn album?
0: It's on uh, Tiger Milk. Yeah, it is. They they then basically only had enough room to give half of the characters something to do during the fight. Other than not die. Yeah, like Clegane had a plot, Arya had a plot. To some extent, even Tyrion and Sansa had a plot because they were able to talk with one another in a coherent way. John and Danny had a plot in so much as they were flying up in the air and getting caught in a blizzard. Um, really can't wait for my next cross country flight winter. <laughs> and then you got characters who are incredibly interesting, like Brienne and Jamie, who were essentially just background. And that was one of the things I was just like, at the end of the day, Jamie didn't have to be there. Right. Like Jamie's purpose was filled when he knighted Brienne, and more so when he just told him, by the way, Cersei's not coming.
1: Well, and that he did this with them and has now experienced sure. this side of the world and, now and not, is now yes. bound to right. his companions in this
0: world. Right. I thought that that was a fair critique, that it's just like you've got these main characters who are essentially spending the entire time somehow overcoming impossible odds to stay alive until the moment Arya is able to make everything all right. I
1: mean, the the... The bummer can be when characters who were compelling, interesting, entertaining in their own right, secondary, tertiary characters, their deaths are purely in the service of more important characters. Um, Dolores Ed, by the way, should have been number one on any ranking just when they spent time on him being there because he survived for such a long time. But as soon as he helps up or reaches to help up, Sam, you know he's going to get that that surprised look men only get. (laughs) when a spear <laughs> enters in the back of their skull.
0: Yeah, that but is
1: a really distinctive look. It is, but similarly...
0: I'll give you that look one day.
1: You've given that look when I told you I wasn't coming on Thursday's show at the last minute. <laughs> you have felt the... Oh! Sh- <laughs> what? <laughs> oh! <laughs> I've seen it in your eyes. Um, I mean, look, that, this is also the limits of a TV show versus the book. Like, I always really liked the character of Beric Donderry, and he looked cool. He had a flaming sword. Great actor, uh, Interesting point of view coming into the action, but deeply a supporting character because we're never really going to tell his story or mm-hmm. what it means or that he only has one life left. So he gives his one life left in support of keeping Arya alive, mm-hmm. a character that who... was the
0: purpose he was supposed to serve, according to Melisandre. Right?
1: Okay. Okay. Then that then that was it.
0: Great. Let's wrap up this way. What's a satisfying way for next week to begin for you? Uh, gray Worm <laughs> blows up. <laughs> 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 just just
1: spontaneously.
0: 62-minute tracking shot of Grey Worm getting on a boat and leaving.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. It's just just Grey Worm luxuriating in an open field yeah. where no one has a crossbow bolt aimed at him. Um, where
0: do you want this to go?
1: I, I do want to just take a moment and say, before we get to that, because we we the one thing we didn't talk about was Daenerys is real reckless with her dragons. I know. Just because you have three. Like, you shouldn't go to to a casino with It's like,
0: pull up, Maverick, pull up. That's what I'm saying. (laughs)
1: Like, we've talked about this before many times in person. Yeah. Occasionally on the podcast. I don't understand gambling. I don't understand the desire to do it. If I won $5, I would be like, that's fantastic. Good night and good luck.
0: Daenerys is sitting down at the blackjack table being like, I love craps. (laughs) yes. Yes. (laughs) A.K.A., how do you play craps? I just feel like
1: there are probably better ways to utilize what we all thought was the nuclear
0: code. She's quite literally a hothead.
1: Yeah. So that gives me some, gives me pause. Yes, sure. Um, That said, I think that John's journey from rookie to quite literally maverick and Top Gun Uh, on a dragon, that he is flying without speaking any of the dragon language. That he's flying just by holding on really tight, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. So, but to catch up because again, I had the wrong TV for this episode. I got the message. What dragon survived?
0: Hers. Uh, they both, both hers and John survived. Where's John's? He's chilling. He crash landed. He's just, he's just relaxing. He's, with just, some... he's, he's like Embiid. <laughs> he's icing his knees. He's just. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <So he's, laughs> load management. It's going to be a game time decision. <laughs> yeah. Wink, wink, wink. Did you see he has gastrointestinitis today? Embiid? Yeah. I've never related to anyone more. Um, Okay, so... I I am very fascinated by the fact that... Will they take everything that happens and basically, like, stick to it? Because Arya is supposed to be reckoned with now. Now, Sansa, still on the verge of zombie death, was still throwing shade at Daenerys. Yeah, she hates her. Jon... His whole platform is gone. His whole thing was like the Night King. I looked into and, his eyes. This is the real threat, and, existential death. We can worry about this other stuff later. And P.S. My name is Aegon Targaryen. By the way, yeah, I'm your nephew. And then Danny in the trailer looks like she's doing quite well. That everybody's toasting her. That everybody's just like, thanks for doing that. You got it. And when, sorry, what'd she do? <laughs> Let me just, just revisit. She did kill like 10,000 whites with her dragon. I just feel like you could have done 10,000 more. Okay. I've got notes. See, you're just like everybody else. No, You've got your critiques. No. Uh, what,
1: what, what's satisfying about next week? I mean, I am very curious what this show is now. Mm-hmm. This was the existential threat. This was this was everything that was that we were building to. This was what John and Daenerys united for. This is why there were Unsullied and Dothraki and Northern soldiers and a Lannister all on the same battlefield for the first time in the show and, ostensibly the first time in the show's fictional history. So, with that out of the way, what have we got? And one concern I have is the show is now quite Mm top-heavy in that it's Cersei and Euron Greyjoy who no one cares about.
0: (laughs) I care about Cersei.
1: Yeah, but Euron Greyjoy no one cares about. I'm sorry. Yeah, Cersei is enough to care about quite a bit. Yeah, But Cersei... The mountain, Kyburn, and Euron Greyjoy, and I guess just Bronn as wild card is not exactly a stacked deck against every other oh my character. God, if surviving. If Bronn
0: kills Jaime, like in the next episode, where he's like, "I'm here. I got paid in gold by your sister. You're dead." I, that everybody will get their death. That they, they they were like, "It's a ruthless show."
1: That would be quite. That's what I, I, like, uh... But this is also the people I think who are complaining most about the deaths are probably also the people who care a lot about prophecy in the show. Mm-hmm. And so you knew going into this that Jamie wasn't going to die. It was weird that people thought he would. It was you know, you knew that like Jamie or or that the hound. The hound is gonna fight his brother. But the argument
0: against that is that like John Snow was the wolf of the north, the king of the north, and that he was like the one who was figuring it all out and that he got his throat slit for love. You mean Rob? Did I say John? Yeah, Rob. Oh yeah.
1: Look. Yes, but Rob didn't have a prophecy, did he? He had... There was expectation the world I don't think the we were as of aware of
0: prophecy at that point in the show, right? Like, if you were just watching the show, I don't know that Prince who was promised was... I mean, it was Stannis. You know what I mean? Like, that was like a fringe kind of, like, idea. Right. I think.
1: And now the only people who are mad are the diehard Stannises, right? Stannises, <laughs> Stannis. Is Stans. Stan-I. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really curious. I think that this was... I, I stand by what I predicted last week, which which is that this was an unprecedented episode. I think it was a, a marvel of execution and and of production and of visual storytelling. I loved watching it. I thought it was thrilling. I thought it was fun. And now I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious what... Now, now that we've cleared the debris, we've de-iced the plane, if we're going to stick with this metaphor, I'm very curious where they are landing it. What is this show that most interests and motivates them. Is it a show about, that we that some of us hoped from the beginning, is it a show about power dynamics and the impossibility or of compromise and change mm-hmm. over long periods of time, especially in such an entrenched and deep, dark, and violent world? Or is it the plane that I think some people, and I mean this charitably and honestly, some people uh, fear and accuse the show of being, which is essentially, at this point, unworthy heirs doing th- kind of fan service to characters that they love from the outside. Sure. That they don't have as adapters of the work, that they don't necessarily have profound things to say about either the world, fictional world, or the real world. What they are doing is trying to service the world and characters that they, and now millions and millions and millions of others, thanks to their efforts, love. Yeah. Which is a very different kind of thing and a, and, and should be judged on kind of a different scale. Of we'll see what we get. But I, 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 my, I just say again, like, what a pleasure it was to watch that show and to know that everyone else was watching it. It's cool. It's cool even to have the debate because I think we're we're arguing
0: about really interesting stuff. So we'll be back on Thursday for Avengers. Yeah, you committing to me? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I want to see this movie. (laughs) All
1: right. I'm not going to stab you in the back. I'll see you Thursday. You're looking at me like I'm not going to be there. (laughs) If I said I would meet you at the tree. I'll be at the tree. Which one of us is Theon? I have your mark on me now. (laughs) I'll see you Thursday. Bye, Francis.